As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, we look ahead to Liverpool against Chelsea in the Premier League. We look ahead to Chelsea against Liverpool in the WSL. We do a quiz based on Liverpool versus Chelsea. Don't worry, you don't have to like Liverpool to listen. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Hello, listener. Hope you're well. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, here to talk all things Chelsea. I've got two of my podcasting pals with me to do just that. Former Chelsea youth player Sam Parkin is on board. Morning, Sam. Good morning, Matt. I think the bin men have just turned up, so apologies if there's some noise. Household waste or recycling? Uh, both. Both, I think. Both in one go you get? Yeah, I do, yeah. Gosh, mm, nice. We're on household waste this morning, um, oh, which is always terrific. Uh, Jesse Parker Humphreys, I'm not really sure what you can bring to the bin chat, but it's, it's Do you want to know when day. my bins go out? No, yes, my bin day is on Monday at the moment, which is very annoying. I'm often in London on Sunday night, so I have to rely on my neighbours to put my bins out for me, which they kindly, very kindly do. That is kind. I hope you pay that back in some form or fashion. But Monday as a bin day is brutal, isn't it? Not how anyone wants to start their week. But um, we would like to go through our midweek talking about Chelsea. It's weird not having a midweek game to reflect on. I feel like this might be the first time this season we've had that uh, full steam ahead to the weekend. Therefore, we're going to go to Anfield. So Liverpool and Chelsea kick off the weekend's Premier League action on Saturday. Only goal difference separates the sides in mid-table ahead of the game. Uh, Sam, I wonder how much Graham Potter has enjoyed having a free week of training. Mentioned there's been no midweek game and and he's got essentially a two-week break after this before the next game as well because there's no FA Cup action. Don't play Fulham until uh, the Friday night at the start of February. So so this has been an important time for him on, on the training pitches at Cobham, I guess. Definitely. Uh, not an opportunity probably to get some of the injured players back as well. It's one of the first things that jumps out. Uh, an opportunity to bed Midrick into their way of doing things. Yeah, really important. And um, yeah, they've been so decimated by injuries. It comes at a good time and yeah, ahead of a game against Liverpool who not having the best of times, I'd imagine that it's going to be as always, but even more so this weekend, a bit of a tactical battle. He'll be thinking about how strategically they can get one over a Liverpool side that's really struggling currently in the in the Premier League. So 
yeah, perfect opportunity to to work on those patterns. And I'm really, really interested to see how they go about things. I thought it was quite a quite a sophisticated kind of setup against Crystal Palace. Maybe not a sophisticated performance, but it was quite um, it was quite funky. I thought the kind of lopsidedness of the of the of the formation and that left hand side, I think, is going to be really interesting with obviously the threat of Trent Alexander-Arnold and and Salah if he's playing on that side. Does he throw Lewis Hall into the Anfield cauldron? Does he go for a bit of reliability that we saw towards the end of the game in terms of a defensive left back in Koulibaly? Does he put Kukurea back in? And do we see Mudrik possibly down that side? So that's um, definitely where I'm going to be uh, looking at the start of the game because that was... A bit of an interesting setup, I thought, for the Palace game because Lewis Hall essentially had that whole flank to occupy himself. So, which way he goes, going to be fascinating. Yeah, we didn't really talk about it on Monday, but Koulibaly coming on at left back was a curveball, to put it politely, particularly given that Kukurea was on the bench and, and didn't get on. Maybe he was um, not feeling great or injured or something. Uh, Jesse, you only appeared in voice note form on Monday's pod, so we didn't get to ask you what you think about the uh, the Mudrick deal. Uh, are you pleased that he signed? Are you, are you throwing him straight in for this game on Saturday? Yeah, I think as a deal, I keep oscillating between two different opinions on it. On the one hand, I'm like, I think it's very clear that he is an exciting player with lots of upside. But on the other hand, he's unproven. It's quite a lot of money and it's a really long contract. Um, (laughs) So in terms of figuring out how that, I just think it feels like the nature of Chelsea has historically been that when these big, exciting, long contract deals go out, they never come good. But there is a first time for everything, potentially. Um, In terms of throwing him in, I think it's obviously one of those things where you've kind of got to look at him on the training pitch and see where he's at fitness-wise because of, of how kind of the season's map out and in terms of like how recently he's played football. I do think this game feels very set up for him to come in. I feel like if the deals happened a week earlier and we were looking at the Palace game, obviously there might be like clamour around him playing, but it wouldn't have been set up as nicely, I don't think, as looking at a left-sided player who could potentially, who is incredibly, incredibly fast, which I think is probably one of his biggest upsides, against Trent Alexander-Arnold, who has literally just been run ragged by a left-sided player the weekend before. Um, So I think if he was fit, it would be great to see him because I feel like with Pulisic out, Chelsea don't really have a player of, of that kind of profile properly available in the way that, that Mudrick is. But yeah, it will be interesting. I guess obviously we saw with Jao Felix that Graham Potter's not afraid of throwing someone in immediately. And we also saw with Jao Felix how much that invigorated Chelsea's attack. And then we saw how maybe um, enthusiasm, you can have too much of a good thing. Sam, would you rather in, in his position, is it kind of in a weird way less pressured to make your debut at Anfield because there's a lot of other story going on around the game and, and the focus isn't solely on you? Or is that kind of easier in some ways than making your debut at home to Crystal Palace or, or am I talking nonsense? I think he'd prefer Crystal Palace at home. <laughs> I, I probably would have done, uh, to, to be to be frank. Um yeah, but he's I mean, he's a top level player, isn't he? And he's come for a huge fee. He's been playing in the Champions League. Completely agree with what Jesse said there. That that raw pace 
and that left-sided position has, has been up for grabs. You know, at the weekend, I know it was uh, dictated by the system, but Chuck Wameka was slightly to the left of that shape and just didn't get any joy at all. You know, partly because he's not going to naturally go and hug the touchline and because of his, his obviously, his, his tactical instruction. So it would improve Chelsea no end to have a natural player in that in that position. I'd like to see someone who is going to give the, the left back, if it's a more natural left back, the support defensively because of Liverpool's threat down that side. So, and for that unpredictability, what Jesse said about Joe Felix coming into the side, it just sharpened everyone up. It sharpened everyone up and it will draw people towards him as well and open up spaces for the others. So, I mean, just watching the the clips, I don't confess to be an expert on him. It's incredibly exciting, the, the, the change of pace, the two-footedness. I mean, I, I, I don't know what, what foot is his more natural side. He's clearly worked on, on which one was at some stage and he can shoot with both feet, he can deliver with both sides. Um but I was this in, excited when Kai Havertz put pen to paper, so much so that I remember texting you, Matt, in the summer before I put my fantasy league team together and said, what's this chap like? And you said he's, he's supposed to be top. Um, we yet to see that real consistency, even though I'm speaking off the back of a header against Palace. So I'm not going to get too carried away, but he looks like a, he looks like a, a game changer, doesn't he, in the forward positions? Yeah, Havertz, by the way, looking to score for three successive games for the first time since March. If you want more Mudrick content, head to The Athletic. The Chelsea feed is basically Mudrick feed, just as the club's official social media accounts were over the weekend. There's a, a big read on on how Chelsea have structured the deal, the fact that he's earning less than the likes of Loftus-Cheek and Hudson-Odoi and, and loads more stuff as well. Dan Sheldon's got something up there this morning uh, about the deal as well and why it's such a long contract. So head to theathletic.com slash ChelseaPod to sign up if you aren't a subscriber to read all that. Um, at the other end of the pitch, Jesse, you sticking with the back four? Presumably Badia shielded enough to, to get the nod ahead of Koulibaly again? Yeah, I think so. Although I do wonder whether kind of Koulibaly's Salah experience from things like AFCON is a worthy thing to to think about. I feel like Koulibaly's performed well in in those games against Egypt, um, important games. But that being said, Egypt under Carlos Kiros used Salah in a very different way to how Klopp uses Salah. Um, but I feel like if you if Potter is serious about, you know, using Badia Shule and bedding him in, it's not the kind of performance to drop him. And I feel like there's been so much chop and change with this Chelsea back line that trying to find some consistency soon is seems like a, a worthy thing to do. I think it'll be really interesting to see how these two teams match up because I feel like I've really enjoyed all of Chelsea and Liverpool's games against each other over the past three seasons or so. But at the same time, it kind of feels like we're now watching two teams who are a bit on their downward curve and I'm intrigued to see if it can reach the same kind of tactical and I don't even want to say technical because I feel like part of what's made these games so enjoyable has been like raw chaos um, over the past couple of seasons. Obviously, you know, cup finals maybe having a bit to play in that, but even in the league matches. So I think it's going to be a really, really interesting team and I wonder if both will be able to find maybe a bit of an extra level than we've seen in the past couple of months. Yeah, I feel like Chelsea are about to go on an upward curve, but then I'm an eternal optimist. Um, and also I've looked at the fixture list. Um, <laughs> Sam, in terms of Liverpool, the fact they had a midweek game 
Does that help or hinder Chelsea? I mean, I guess if if they'd lost, you know, after extra time or whatever, then we'd be saying, oh, that's good. But it was obviously a much changed team, but they got a, a win that they needed to boost confidence. Does that then negate the, the physical effects of, of having played in the week? I think so. I think it was much needed. Yeah, I think they were a bit pretty low ebb after the Brighton game for obvious reasons. So I think that will boost morale, uh, boost the the younger players who came in and, and did well. And that has a knock-on effect, staff, the feeling at the training ground. So they'll be feeling better about things today. Um, Jesse makes a really pertinent point there, actually. You know, I talked about the strategy earlier on, but that game at the bridge last year, I, I mean, it was, it was chaos. But, I, you know, for that reason, I cannot see... Graham Potter doing anything than than being a little bit more cautious um, and obviously, you know, tactically trying to get things spot on because I can't remember, well, Chelsea for half an hour was so open and then Liverpool for the entirety. I know they, play, they played with that high line and it was just unbelievable the amount of times Chelsea were getting in. It was a brilliant game. I'd be very surprised if we get something similar. Um, but yeah, there's there's definite weaknesses in this in this Liverpool setup, the, the midfield area, again, another position where Graham Potter will think long and hard because there's definitely a lack of legs there, intensity in comparison to how Liverpool's side has been over the last two, three years when they were incredible. So does he think about, you know, getting Gallagher, Zakaria, if, if fit, you know, getting that real strength and, and legs in the middle of the pitch and maybe negate a little bit of the security with the football? We'll have to wait and see, but you know that is the the area where Liverpool definitely need to strengthen. And forward positions, they're not as as strong as obviously they would be if they had Jota and um, Luis Diaz and such like fit. So this isn't a Liverpool team to fear, but it's a Liverpool team that would be boosted by that result. And it's Anfield, so that levels things out a little bit and and still makes for a real tough encounter. Uh, Jesse, Chelsea Twitter went into meltdown this week when they um, put up the footage of that open training session and, and Rhys James and Ben Chilwell were amongst it. Got to be so, so careful, haven't they, about how they reintegrate them, particularly Rhys, given that he's already broken down once. So there might be a temptation to chuck them on the bench here, maybe? Yeah, I feel like uh, Chelsea's social media team must have been really disappointed that they spent all this money on Mudrick, posted some training footage of, of him and it all anyone wanted to talk about were the players who are already there. Um I mean, maybe you put them on the bench with no intention of playing them, just as a bit of a, you know, psych them out type move. But I feel like with both, you just want to wrap them in cotton wool. And maybe now you're just kind of looking at the Champions League and thinking like, let's not rush people back before kind of the Dortmund games. And maybe that becomes Graham Potter's main focus. You know, we've seen what a slightly surprising Champions League run can do for a Chelsea manager very, very recently. And, you know, given where they are in the league, I think their actual Champions League spots feel, you know, quite far out of reach. So I feel like, obviously, getting James and Chilwell back would be a massive, massive boost. Although I do, I I think it would be really interesting, particularly with Chilwell. Obviously, James is nailed on, but we've kind of seen so many people audition for that left-back spot. And I think Chilwell would still be my preferred choice, but it feels like Potter maybe still doesn't quite know. Um, and I think it'll be really interesting to see where he returns, how that works out, especially now because Woodrick will likely be playing in front of of whoever plays there. So I guess that might, you know, the relationships between those players and how that builds up might be, um, you know, an interesting factor. And then the other interesting thing, I guess, would be is if Chowell does come back, whether Lewis Hall 
maybe gets an audition in, in midfield or something like that, right? Because I look to you and Sam on this one, but that's his more natural position, right? It is, isn't it, Sam? And, and we haven't really made enough of the fact that Mark Kukurea costs 56 million quid and he's been kept out of the team by an 18-year-old midfielder at the moment. So Zachary not going to be back for this game. Kante's still out. Maybe that is an option. Yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised for, for Liverpool away. But as we've you know spoken about already today, he's not been afraid to put people in. Think of Bashir Humphreys. I think that came a little bit out of left field. Definitely quite early in his his development. Fofana played, did he play a half in the in the League Cup? Again, I don't think we would anticipate that. And Lewis Hall to a certain degree. You know, the magnitude of some of these recent games, I wouldn't have anticipated him being in from the off. So he's not afraid. I think in a in an unnatural position is unlikely, but he's done so well that he may get an opportunity in the centre of midfield. Um I like him on the left hand side. I've not seen him, you know, dominate games per se, in the in the PL2. But again, it's difficult to judge at that level. Um, and since he's come into the first team, he's been brilliant over on the, the left-hand side. Just wanting to get that goal, what that would do for his confidence. And I know I've been quite repetitive on this and I don't want to knock him because he's done amazing. But, you know, his, his finishing is definitely an area he needs to work on. And um, I'm being a little bit harsh, but I just think that would catapult him further in terms of his confidence and, you know feeling part of the first team group you can see the disappointment in him and a few of the chances have been missed at big big opportunities in games so um hopefully he can get it soon but yeah he's shown undoubtedly I mean his age as well you forget he looks you know he's playing like a 21 22 year old he looks so comfortable um and when he does get the opportunity to go beyond people bursting into space that's when he looks you know really electric so in the center of midfield that could really translate Mm, it's going to be fascinating to see who's in from the start when the team sheets drop at 11.30 on Saturday. Whatever happens in the game, we will, of course, react to it in our Monday show. Uh, it's a Chelsea v Liverpool doubleheader this weekend. Jesse's going to tell us all about what's going to happen in the WSL meeting next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. After pitching a point at the Emirates last weekend, Chelsea back in WSL action on Sunday. They welcome struggling Liverpool to King's Meadow. Jesse, is Emma Hayes the type who will be hell-bent on revenge given what happened on the opening day of the season and that odd defeat at Prenton Park? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Emma Hayes is the kind of person who just wants to smash anyone who comes in her way, but I'm sure there'll be a, a little bit of, of extra edge given the, the loss. Uh, Liverpool's still the only team to beat Chelsea this season, which is kind of incredible, really. Um, Matt Beard, also uh, Emma Hayes' predecessor, 
the Liverpool manager. So that's nice as well. Um, a return to, well, he didn't manage at Kings Meadow, but a return to Kings Meadow, let's say, uh, for him. Um, yeah, I think this will be a game that should be straightforward for Chelsea. I feel like getting the Arsenal game out of the way will hopefully have, you know, lifted a bit of weight of their backs. Although there is the strange anomaly that Chelsea have Liverpool again at Kings Meadow next week in the FA Cup, which I don't know like how much that would affect you. I guess you get you get to game plan just once potentially <laughs> for for the match. Um, yeah, I think this will be a very different result. Obviously, the game before was a two-one Liverpool win with three penalties, and Chelsea literally couldn't string an attack together at all and the penalties themselves were kind of strange um so I feel like this will be a, a very different match um you mentioned on on Monday's pod that, that Neve Charles had a difficult day obviously she's a ex-Liverpool player isn't she um do you think that she might drop out here and, and would that mean that it would be Eve Perisay come in to take her place yeah I, I don't know it's an interesting one I thought Perisette was fantastic when she came on against Arsenal and she's been nothing but solid to be fair to her I like I can't really fault any of her performances it just feels like Hayes hasn't really settled on her in the system you know I think when Perisette signed everyone assumed this was you know the right back Chelsea had kind of been waiting for she was going to go straight into the team she was you know kind of Kadisha Buchanan levels of you know this is someone who's been signed to be a first team player and it hasn't really worked out that way for her um I could see Neve Charles starting again I definitely wonder if there's something about Charles's physicality, um, which maybe is why Emma Hayes is kind of plump for her over Perisette. But we've seen, you know, that right back role rotate quite a lot this season because obviously Jess Carter can play there and Marami Elders, you know, still hanging around the club too um, and has popped up uh, on various occasions to look, you know, very accomplished in that role as as you kind of expect from a player of Mielders quality. Um so yeah, it's definitely a thing up for grabs. Uh, I think the main thing that I'm intrigued by will be whether Zachira Musevic starts again. Because that was obviously a bit of a surprise selection against Arsenal. Uh, and Katrin Berger, after the game, was quite quite bemused by it as well. And Musevic has never really been able to nail down that place. AKB's always, you know, kind of been the firm for his choice. And, and Musevic actually was in goal for the original uh, Liverpool match because um, AKB was still recovering from her cancer treatment. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see if that is a bit of a, a changing of the guard. Although every time I seem to think that might be happening, AKB returns and puts in a load of ridiculous performances and then we stop talking about it for another three months. <laughs> um, Sam, I'm just looking at the table and, and Chelsea are three points ahead of Man United and Arsenal, but have played a game more than both of them. In terms of the goal difference, Chelsea's plus 23, United's plus 24, Arsenal plus 20. Liverpool got beaten 6-0 by Man United last weekend. Is there any way in the world that any manager, specifically in this case Emma Hayes, would be looking at this and saying to the players, you need to rack up some goals against this lot? Is, is that a way that a manager would approach a game? No, but I think... There comes a time in the game when the tactical changes, the the approach may change, yeah. If they're comfortable, then she may, you know, hold back on the substitutions or, you know, stick to being, you know, an attacking, real attacking threat throughout. I don't know, just make certain adjustments to try and make sure they've got the best opportunity of racking up a few goals. Um 
But the, the focus is always to win the game, of course, going into it, because we know over the last few seasons that Chelsea have faltered in, in, in some games, you'd expect them to win. So it's going to be a, a fantastic race, it looks like. I think there'll be a little bit extra on this game because of the opening day of the season. And I remember a few of uh, Beard's comments post-match. Uh, I think he identified a couple of the weaknesses and he spoke quite openly, which I do like from coaches about how they got joy and success. But I just felt at the time that Emma Hayes will probably pocket that and remember it. And um, here's an opportunity to get retribution. And I'm sure the, the players will be the same going into this game. They will not want Liverpool to do the double. Um, so hopefully they can they can build on that point last week. Has there been a lot of love for Kankovic's um, assist? I think it was Kankovic, wasn't it, Jesse? Because that was a sublime ball. Yeah, and made all the sweeter by the fact that Arsenal wanted to sign Kankovic in the summer right. and then she ended up kind of plumping for Chelsea. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if, if Kankovic is another player who I think has... Um, she's not got as many minutes as would have been expected, but she's had a, like a couple of little injuries, and I think she was a bit ill as well over Christmas. Um, but she's someone who I think is looking to really firmly establish herself uh, in the Chelsea attack. Obviously, kind of rivaling Frank Kirby for that number ten role, but it kind of works quite well because I think it's become clear that Frank Kirby is just not got it in her to play every single match anymore. Um, so I think it's really beneficial for Chelsea to see, uh, you know, Kankovic at a level. And yeah, like what an absolutely ridiculous, ridiculous ball. It was glorious. Um, Micah Hamane, Jesse, 18-year-old Japanese forward signed for Chelsea, going on loan to Hammerby in Sweden for the rest of the season. Some rumours doing the rounds that, that Magda Eriksson and Penilla Harder might be off at the end of the season, both out of contract. Is, is this signing of Hamano kind of to replace Harder potentially or are there enough players in the squad who can do that anyway? No, I think this is definitely, Hamano is definitely one for the future. Um, she basically caught everyone's eye at the Under-20 World Cup and was fantastic for Japan as they reached the final, eventually losing to Spain. Hermano is clearly a very talented player, but I think it's also very clear that there's a lot more development to go. She's been playing senior football since um, she was 16, but I think, you know, adjusting to European League um, will be interesting. And I think it says a lot that Chelsea has sent her to Sweden, which I tend to see as being quite a physical league anyway. In terms of Harder and Eriksson, uh, yeah, their contracts are up. Uh, as far as I'm aware, Chelsea have offered them. Uh, new contracts um, but they've not been signed yet and I think they are talking to other clubs uh, links with Lyon and Real Madrid I feel like it is a really it's a really tough one um, to talk about and it's one of those things where particularly with Magda Eriksson you don't want it to drag on the way it has dragged on but equally it's like a player's not going to announce or it'd be strange for your club captain to announce say in January that they don't like plan on staying at the club anymore and so I do worry this might drag on a little bit um I feel like with both players um I feel like Harder's never quite settled into the Chelsea squad at the level that maybe was assumed when she was brought in obviously a world record fee at the time uh but injuries have just meant she's never really got a consistent run of games and then Magda Eriksson maybe it kind of feels like Chelsea's defense is moving on a little bit I mean She's starting a lot still, but obviously at left back, which is a position that I, you know, you wouldn't say is her favourite, and that doesn't seem like changing anytime soon. But I will say it's, you know, a mark of M Hayes's confidence in Magda Eriksson that she would prefer to play her at left back than not play her at all. Um, but in order to preserve the kind of Bright Buchanan centre back partnership, um, but she's obviously been at the club for a really long period of time. 
did an astonishing job, I think, at kind of representing the club in the same way that uh, Asbalaqueta did during the whole, you know, sale of the club and, and all of the stuff around that and has been kind of fantastic ambassador. Um, but equally, all good things come to the end and it kind of feels like the writing is on the wall. But I also don't know if that's just Twitter meltdown at the thought that Magda and Pranila might leave. As I say, I believe there's something still on the table and as far as I'm aware, nothing has been decided yet. Jesse, just honing in on what you just just said, um, and having you know watched them over the last few years, is the fullback position somewhere they can still improve? The right back role seems to have been, like you say, a bit of a revolving door. And ideally, on the left hand side, would Emma Hayes like a, a more forward thinking option? Would that take them to the next level? And is there people that you could identify in the the, the European game that could bring that to the club? Yeah, I definitely think it's an issue that that Chelsea have continued to struggle with over recent years and and I do think part of the reason that Chelsea played with a back three last season was because they were just like we don't have fullbacks so we'll we will turn Guru Wrighton into a wing back for example um that being said I think the fact that Ericsson's currently playing there isn't because of a lack of options now although maybe the quality of options is a bit different because Neve Charles is someone who you would think if she was going to play fullback like would work more naturally on the left hand side than on the right and then got brought Perisic on the right hand side. Perisic was meant to be the you know we've gone into the European leagues and we've got a very solid fullback and I think she probably will come good I think it's just taking time and Emma Hayes can be very demanding I think on the level she wants her players to be at before they get game time. In terms of like fullbacks on Abatier at Manchester United is like the golden girl of European fullbacks at the moment. Um, although she is a former Barcelona player, and I think there's an assumption that if and when she does choose to leave Manchester United, she will just simply go back to Barcelona. Um, Ashley Lawrence is a name who's attracted a lot of attention, I believe, is out of contracts. Uh, she's at PSG um, at the end of the year, although maybe is now slightly outside of the age profile, I suspect Chelsea will be looking at um, as she kind of moves into her late 20s. So it's a really tricky position, and I think it's something that... <laughs> I don't know if it's a coaching thing within women's football, but you see it as, a, I think, a weakness across a lot of sides. So, like, Barcelona at the moment play Friedelina Rolfo, who was a left-winger as their left-back because they haven't really been able to find anyone. Equally, at England, you've seen Rachel Daly, who's a striker, played at left-back. So, and Neve Charles, even at Chelsea, is, like, a converted winger. Um, so, I don't know whether there's still, like, a thing around the development of, of players. that You're not seeing players maybe be developed at a younger age into that fullback position um, because it seems to generally be a bit of a, a profile weakness across the women's game. Interesting. See if Chelsea can solve that problem in the weeks and months to come. Uh, right, that game is on Sunday, as I say, and of course we'll tell you what happened in Monday's pod. Uh, elsewhere in Chelsea news, the under-18s were supposed to be in FA Youth Cup action this week, but the game against Cambridge has been moved to Wednesday of next week. That's due to damage at the Abbey Stadium, where Cambridge play caused by high winds. And the Dev squad, they go to Fulham on Sunday. That's a 2.30pm kickoff in PL2. Right, it's time for a quiz. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Okay, I think you're going to either like or hate this one, guys, so um, bear with me. Sam, here's your first question. There's always one of these when it's uh, Parker Humphreys versus Parkin. Please spell Mikhailo Mudrik. The first name? Both names, please. Oh, my goodness. I don't even think I've looked at it. I don't even know. Go on. Give me. Can you uh, pronounce it for me again? Mikhailo Mudrik. Mikhailo. I don't even think I knew that. Mikhailo. Could be a... M. Confident with the first letter. Yep, M. Very good. (laughs) Mikhailo. It could be anything, couldn't it? It could be a Y. It could be an I. Mikhailo, Mikhailo. I'll go Y. Correct. Well done. Oh, that's a good get, isn't it? Yep. K. Yep. A. Oh, unlucky. Um, I'm not going to allow a steal on the, the spelling B because I think you've done a, bit, a fair bit of the work there. It was M-Y-K-H-A-I-L-O. Yeah. Oh, no, and, no. And Mudrick is Mud, R-Y-K. Yeah, I'd have got that. Okay, unlucky. <clears throat> uh, Jesse, spell Kepa Arizabalaga. K-E-P-A. Yep. <laughs> A-R-R. I Z A B A L A G A. That Very is good. absolutely perfect. I I thought initially I thought mm, that's a bit easier than Mikhailo Madrid, but it's the double R. Yeah. In at the start of Aretha Balaga, which is the curveball. Yeah, there. you tell yourself that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> you got that, would you, Sam? Yes. Because I thought it was you had Aspilaqueta when I had <laughs> the Brighton player whose name I still can't pronounce, so we're even. <laughs> what was his name, that guy? <laughs> Never mind, that was an old quiz. Uh, second question, then, Sam, bit of pressure on you here. According to Transfer Marked, who was the most recent player to sign for Chelsea from Liverpool? I knew you were going to ask this question I, just before we joined the Zoom call this morning, but I didn't look it up. <laughs> um, so, Liverpool to Chelsea. You want the other way? You want Chelsea? What do you want? Sorry, uh, for Chelsea from Liverpool. So yeah, Liverpool to Chelsea. Yeah. So I thought I think Solanke's going the other way. I would have done. So I've no idea. Liverpool to Chelsea. I want to say, it's got to have been someone since then. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to have to say it. Torres. It's close. You know, it's really close. But there was one uh, just after that. Do you know who it was, Jesse? No. It was Raul Morales. Yeah. Raul Morales. Give you the money myself. No, I wouldn't have got that. uh, Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, Jesse, the four meetings between the sides last season all ended as draws after 90 or 120 minutes. Who scored the only goal of the game the last time there was a winner without penalties being needed? Mm. 
critical question this get it right you've won I've got Sam it but I've got a right feeling is it Mason Mount they've plucked it it is Mason Mount and that is yeah. the victory um, but we'll carry on the quiz just in case um, what's that dance called that you're doing Jesse isn't that what he did when he scored that goal oh he did yes that's right yeah it was uh empty stadium right it was yeah Yeah, was it that one yeah it was empty stadium yeah okay uh third question for you sam tightly pointless other than to salvage a bit of (laughs) it's pointless me turning up because questions again come on (laughs) come on which defender was the only non-British or Irish player in the Chelsea eleven that started the 2-1 win at Anfield in February 1992? Right in your wheelhouse, this. One defender. One player. He was a defender. Non-British or Irish. In that Non-British or Irish in 1992 for Chelsea? Correct. Well, it's one of two. We all know that. Mm. And they're frequently done on the quiz. So it's 50-50. Mm. Steady, steady. Come on, I want you to... to at least get one point so just think is it have I done that give me the question again which (laughs) defender was the only non-British or Irish player in the Chelsea 11 that started the 2-1 win at Anfield in February 1992 non-British or Irish correct no there's two there was two foreign Scandinavian defenders at that time it's 50-50 isn't it Right, Jesse, you're pretty magnanimous and you've already won, so you won't mind Hang on. me just expanding the question. Which defender was the only non-British, Irish or Scandinavian player in the Ooh. Chelsea eleven that started the 2-1 win at Anfield in February 1992? It wasn't Kielberg, it wasn't Janssen. <laughs> and it wasn't Barnard <laughs> nope. or Barnes nope. or Donaghy. Nope, famously British or Irish. What? I think he went on to own a coffee shop. That helps. <laughs> Give me more because the, the quiz is over. I like it. <laughs> coffee shop, yeah. Yeah. Uh, played elsewhere in the Premier League as well. Actually played for Huddersfield for a little bit at the end of his career, according to my old friend. Oh, sorry, everyone. Ken Moncow. Ken Moncow is right. Who knew that Huddersfield would be the thing that made you get? <laughs> uh, okay, well, you're on the board at least, but Jesse, you can you can ram home the victory here and go 3-1 up. This week marked the 15-year anniversary of Branislav Ivanovic signing for Chelsea. In his first season, he scored a brace at Anfield. At what stage of the Champions League? 15 years, so that's... 2008. Quarterfinals? Absolutely correct. 100% from Parker Humphreys. You, you, you going to graciously wish the victor well, Sam, or are you still complaining <laughs> about the questions? Uh, well done, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Thanks. not sure that was Thanks. that question. <laughs> First two questions put me on the back foot. And then right. I lost my shizzle on the okay. Ken Moncow question. Yeah, I would have thought Moncow would have been an easy one for you, but 
Uh, there we go. Never mind. All right. Well, well done, Jesse. You are the winner. As you know by now, there's absolutely no prize, but you've won the biggest prize of all in having neighbours will take your bins out. So be content with that, <laughs> I think. Uh, all right. Before we go, there is a big read uh, on Mikhailo Mudrik. If you can spell his name, well done to you. Up on The Athletic's got loads of great detail into how that transfer happened. Meanwhile, our friend Adam Crafton spoke to the Shakhtar Chief Executive, Sergei Palkin, about how the deal came together. And there's also an excellent video from the chaps at TIFO Football on why Mudrick is a great signing for Chelsea. It's Mudrick for days, basically. So head over to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. Are uh, you going to Kings Meadow on Sunday, Jesse? Absolutely. Excelente. We will um, maybe tap you up for an in-person voice note in that case, um, if that's possible. Doing the production on air is pretty <laughs> professional. Uh, Sam, what are you up to this weekend? I'm doing the Football League show on, on Saturday night and um, I might take my oldest boy along to Kings Meadow on on Sunday. He's done an, an hour at Hampton and Richmond. There are good snacks, granted, so hopefully Kings Meadow will measure up in that department. Otherwise, we'll be leaving at half-time. We can have an in-person spelling bee at half-time. <laughs> uh, spell... Kankovic. Yeah. Kankovic. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, what is the, the catering? There's one little kind of tea van, right, at King's Meadows. Is there anything beyond that, Jesse? Yeah, and then they've got the bar. The bar's quite nice. They did that up recently, but it's always very, very warm. They love to put the radiators up, up there. I don't know, you know what they're doing with the energy bills. But yeah, the van... Um, you want to get in the queue early, I would say, for that, Sam. Mm. But the chips are good. Chips and bring pom bears. That's the key. Love a pom bear. Brilliant. Uh, you want to sponsor the podcast, pom bear? Then um, drop <laughs> producer Lucy an email, please. No, seriously, do. Uh, many thanks for joining us today. It's all fallen apart a little bit at the end, but that's my fault mainly. I'm sorry about that. We'll be back on Monday when we'll be talking about that Liverpool doubleheader, two Chelsea victories and how the Blues are going to win the WSL and qualify for the Men's Champions League in the same season. Join us for that if you can. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. The Athletic.